How many of you have come expectant this morning? How many of you have come expectant? Men and women alike, we're all expecting. Is that correct? All right. And I think we should because today is actually Pentecost Sunday. Across the world, the Christian community is celebrating Pentecost. And uh, I want to share on that and put some other added something, something. Look at your neighbor and say, he's going to add some added something, something, something. The title of my message this morning is, is God suddenly. Or you may want to call it expecting supernatural turnaround. Where God will turn things around. Let's go to the book of Acts chapter 2 from verse 1. And I'm going to read uh, the New King James Version Bible. Or the King James Version is all right. Acts chapter 2, I'm going to read from verse 1. A very, very familiar passage. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, somebody say suddenly. Suddenly. Look at your name and say suddenly. suddenly. What does suddenly mean? No, scalar suddenly means suddenly land rope. What does suddenly mean? Hmm? Hello? Huh? Quack, quack. Hop, hop. I can roll quack, quack, Leslie. Hop, hop. Skirlek. Skirlek. What does suddenly mean? Come on, let me hear you. Come on, guys. You, you, hello? Now. Huh? Masinyan. Suddenly. Suddenly means just a while ago. Suddenly means when, when you blink your eye, it just, it happened. Suddenly. Now, this is important because you need to understand this. God has a way of doing things suddenly. Where things can move from one state to the other at the snap of God's finger. Let me paint the picture for you. In the last service, I was sharing with them how, and it's there in the Bible, God's people used to celebrate three major feasts a year. The Feast of Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. There were other sub-feasts that were there, and it would make up seven all in all. And so three times a year, it was required of the Jewish male to come to Jerusalem to celebrate these feasts. When these feasts were celebrated, it was a ceremony where they would do certain ritualistic things. Burn this, slaughter this, pour this there, do this there. It was all ritual, all ceremony. All right? And they would do this year in and year out. The purpose of these feasts was for these God's people to remember and remind themselves of what God had done in their lives. Because what God doesn't want us to do is to forget the things that he has done in our lives. So God said, I want you to put this in your calendar. And when that time comes, you drop everything, you travel all the way, you gather together. Three times a year, the males had to come. And so there would be all this big activity that would happen. However, 
in spite of the precise details and the extensive details that these people entered into, all these feasts were just ceremonies. They were just things that they did to remember. And many of these feasts had to do with things that were coming, things that were past, where they were. It was just a memory. But this feast depicted certain things to come. They were done in what we call types and shadows. They were prophetic acts of the real that was to come. So even if they celebrated the feasts, they would go there, go through the ceremony, go back home, the same people who went there. So here's the picture. The day of Pentecost comes, all right? And prior to this day, Jesus had been raised from the dead. He appeared to his disciples, and then he tells them, I baptized you with water as unto repentance. That's what John says. He says, but there is one who's coming who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John says, whose sandals I'm not qualified to even tie. So Jesus repeats that announcement. He says to them after he's raised from the dead, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. Now think about this. It's exactly at the time of the Feast of Pentecost. People have gathered. They are going on with ceremony. They are going on with the rituals. All right? They are doing it to the T. But these 120 disciples, as they are sitting in the upper room, in obedience to what Jesus has said, suddenly, at the snap of a finger, God moves them from ceremony to experience. God moves them from ritual to experiential knowledge. Suddenly, God moves them from deadness to life. God moves them from going around in a circle to where their life is moving on because God is a God of suddenlies. Now, I don't know who you are. I don't know in your life what ritual you are bound in. It might not be a ritual. It might be a life that goes around in circles where you keep seeing the same thing again and again and again. You've done everything in your power, but you are seeing all that happening. And I'm here to tell you, God is about to bring a suddenly in somebody's life. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? See, our minds are not able to conceive that. Because sometimes as we go through seasons in our life, it looks like it will never come to an end. In fact, when you look at some of the problems you are facing, you are thinking to yourself, how am I going to come out of this? But I'm here to tell you, we serve a God of suddenlies. We serve a God of supernatural turnarounds. Can I hear an amen? amen. Now, to fully appreciate this suddenlies, is for you to understand how God in his nature and even in his name, it shows us that he is that kind of a God. When you read the Bible, there are several scriptures where he is called the Lord Most High. Now I'm going to tell you about that for a while. But I want you to note that a supernatural turnaround can happen in your life. It can happen in your family. It can happen in your business. You are missing a good time for you to get some impartation. It can happen in your church. 
A supernatural change can happen in your ministry. It can happen in your career. It can happen in things that have gotten stuck. Our turnarounds are possible because we have a supernatural God. This God who in scripture is called the most high God. Now, there's a number of scriptures, Barcelona, where God is called the most high God, and we will show them in a short while. In these scriptures, the most high God is actually a combination of two names of God. This is where they take the two names and they combine them. So it becomes a compound name, if you would. It is the name Elohim and the name Jehovah, the most high God. And so one of the names of God, the name Elohim, this is a name that is used throughout scripture. And the other name is Jehovah. And so when these two names are brought together, he is called the most high God. Turn to Genesis chapter 14, verse 22, please. Genesis 14, 22, and I want you to read it with me. It says, and Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up my hand unto the Lord, the most high God. So I have lifted my hands to the Lord, the most high God. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 14. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to read this from the screens there. It says, the Lord thundered from heaven, the most high uttered his voice. So you see the two terms, the Lord and the most high. And then go to Psalms chapter 7, verse 17. It says, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness. I will sing praise to the Lord most high. Can I hear an amen? amen. Now, these two names, we have the name, the Lord, and the most high. Watch this. The name Jehovah there is when it speaks about God who is a God who is the most high. He is Elohim Jehovah. The name Jehovah, note Bazalana, means I will be everything that you need me to be as occasion arises. Oh, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. God is saying, I am Jehovah. I am the most high. Whatever arises, I will be everything that you need when occasion arises. It is the same name that God gave Moses when he was sending Moses to go and speak to Pharaoh. And Moses said to him, who shall I say sent me? And God says, tell him that I am has sent you. In other words, whatever you need me to be, I will be. But then the other name is Elohim, the Lord. This means the all-powerful. It means he is above all. Elohim, he is the strong and the mighty. He is the God who can and the God who has no limitation. So this is what it means. The turnaround in our lives involves us understanding that nothing is too hard for our God. God can bring a suddenly, anytime in your life, 
Any time, at any space, God can bring a suddenly. Why? Because he is a God who intervenes. He is a God who steps into my world and changes the course of history. He is a God who comes in and he brings an outcome of his choosing. So what God does is when he begins to become this God of the supernatural turnaround, sometimes when he works, you don't even realize that he is working. In fact, sometimes you don't even see that God is setting you up for a supernatural turnaround. Why? He hides it because he is a God who works when things are dark because he doesn't want you to understand where he's going because he doesn't want you to interfere with what he is about to do. He's a God of turnaround. Tell somebody he's a God of turnarounds. Say it again. He's a God of turnarounds. Say it again. He's a God of turnarounds. So God will position you sometimes in situations that if you were to choose, you would not have chosen it. I wouldn't have chosen if I was Jacob to be sold into slavery. Never. Angek. Mara, it is in God putting you into that situation where you are sold into slavery that it is God's route to take you to a place where he's going to turn things around. If Joseph hadn't gone to Egypt, God's people would have never been spared. Mara, if he had asked them, how do we spare you? Can we get you to be sold into slavery? Not that they never. And some of you, you are in a place where God has sits literally pushed you to that place and pushed you to that corner. And you don't like where you are, but God has put you there because he doesn't want you to interfere with what he wants to do in your life. God is about to bring a turnaround. Can I hear an amen? When God's spirit moves in, you will have what other people call a defining moment. It becomes, like I said a few weeks ago, a moment of opportunity. It's a moment that is critical. So a supernatural turnaround is where God reverses my circumstances. Oh my goodness. It's amazing when we read scripture, we find several scriptures where God says he will turn things around. Let me give you a few of them. Zephaniah. If you, are no, if you are able to find it. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 9. Note what it says. It says, for then I, will I turn the people a pure language. That they may all call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one consent. God says, one translation says, in the end I will turn things around. So God works with you, and in the end, he turns things around. You know, and sometimes, you know, we go into seasons where we think that our seasons of trouble will never end. You get into a time in your life where you wonder, will you ever come out on the other side? In the end, I will turn things around. Hallelujah. Because I am the almighty God. I am Jehovah God. I am the Lord most high. Look at Jeremiah chapter 31. Verse 13, he said, Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, both young men and old men, and 
I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them. I will make them rejoice from their sorrow. Do we have somebody here who says that is my verse? God says, I will turn their mourning into joy. You move from a period of mourning, you step into a period of joy, God just snaps his finger and he turns things around. Proverbs 126, verse 1. This one I like. Proverbs 26, 126, verse 1. It says, when the Lord turned again, when the Lord turned again, in other words, Mudimu has the again thing. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. I tell you, Uncle Uncle Uzokshaya ding dong, because he is going to turn things again. He is a God of turnarounds. Can I hear an amen? Look at Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. Proverbs 13, verse 12, a verse that I like. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. One translation says, one translation says, uh, unrelenting disappointment makes the heart sick. When you are in that season in your life where you move from one disappointment to the other, it doesn't matter. You get disappointment in your relationship, disappointed at work, disappointed at home, disappointed computer And it's just one disappointment after another. And it's unrelenting. It's almost like uponsitswe. There is nothing that works in your life. It says unrelenting disappointment makes the heart sick. You get to a point where you give in to a negative life. You get to a point where you cave in and say into Zam as hamburger. But then it says, but a sudden good break. (laughs) A sudden good break can turn life around. I'm here to announce to somebody, God is going to give you a sudden good break. Hallelujah. That turns things around. Let's go to a few lives and talk about these people whose life was going in one direction, but the Lord Most High intervened. Go with me to John chapter 4, Bazalwan. John chapter 4. John chapter 4, the reason I love it is because it's such a great scripture that talks to this. And if you don't mind, I'm going to read it in the New King James Bible. Now, it's a long one. They will follow with me on the screen there. John chapter 4, reading from verse 1. It says, therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. Now note verse 4. But he needed to go through Samaria. Now we've preached on this before. I won't 
belabor it. You know that this route of Jesus moving from Judea to Galilee to go to his destination, the normal thing those days was that the Jews didn't take that route because if they took that route, it would make them but double up. I can see we but double up through Samaria. But because of the tensions that existed, they would not go through Samaria. Instead, they would take the long route around. But here it says he needed. The King James says he must needs. When you read it in the original, it gives you the impression and the understanding that Jesus was intentional about this. He chose this route because he knew on this route there is somebody who needs a supernatural turnaround. God will take the route that comes in your direction because he sees your life, he sees what you're going through, and when he comes your way, he is about to engineer a supernatural turnaround. You know about this woman? She was living a lonely life, they were calling her names. Her life wasn't great. And in her own despair and in a moment of shame, she meets the Lord Most High. And when God meets her, God doesn't talk to her about high supernatural spiritual things. He talks to her about everyday life. Give me to drink. And Jesus knows if I am to start this woman where she is, she can engage in conversation. She can let her guard down. She can just get involved. In her mind, it's just a natural conversation. Mara, Jesus looks at him and says, Woman, if you knew what is happening, if you knew who it is who is talking to you, if you knew that this moment is not like other days where your life is going into a circle, because you have come into contact with the Most High. And on that day, one day, one day, turns around the life of this woman. Not only is she touched, but the whole village is touched. Who am I talking to in this house? Who am I talking to in this house? That God touches you and through you, he touches everything and everybody around you because he is a God of supernatural turnarounds. Go to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19 verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Do you know it in both cases, it's Jesus who went to the people. <laughs> See, when God is about to engineer this place, it doesn't matter who guy. can change your life. Saul going on his way to go and kill Christians with a letter from the high priest giving him a permission to go and murder the Christians. And God says, it's time for me. It's time for me to encounter this guy. And on his way to Damascus, God just boom, intervenes and meets him. And the guy is thrown off his horse. He loses his physical eyesight so that he can have spiritual eyesight. God interrupts him and it is through the heavenly interruption that he conceives a vision to preach to the nations of the world. 
It is in that darkness when he thought everything is dark. He didn't know that it is in the greatest darkness where new life is coming. I don't know where you are in your darkness, but I'm here to tell you. God is bringing about a new season in your life. And so Jesus, here it is. He's, he's going through Jericho. Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. He was rich. He wanted to see Jesus. He has the story. This man was not liked where he lived. They had called him names. Community didn't like him. And it affected the way he looked at himself. I don't know who you are. People say lots of things about you. Maybe not about you, but about your family. Maybe you, are, you come from that family that people always talk about. You may not even want to tell people which family you come from. You've been walking around in this dark cloud of shame. I'm prophesying now. You've been walking around with your head low, hanging low. So afraid, feeling so much shame. I'm here to tell you, God is about to take away your darkness. And God is heading your way with a supernatural turnaround. And God comes to this man who when he heard about Jesus ran into the sycamore tree, climbed up in the sycamore tree to see who Jesus was. Because I know no matter how bad people are, there's something inside of them that draws them to God. And God help us as church people that when we see people who have gone through a lot of things sitting next to us, that we won't make funny comments. God help us. God help us not to look down upon people because of their crisis and to call people names because of their crisis. God help us. Let's understand no matter how bad people are, no matter how beaten up people are, there's something on the inside of them that calls them to go to God. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And when Jesus came to the sycamore tree, he stood under the tree. And he says, Zacchaeus, make haste. And come down for today. 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 I must come and stay in your house. I I remember growing up as a child, there was a certain house. You know, you know these stories that even today run around about old women? Yeah. There's a house there, Corona. Where there was a rumor. I'm telling you. Serious. We were children. And they told us there was a tree in front of a house. There was something now yet. Not only that. You know, this is the pavement. This is a house. This is the tree. They told us straight to Raufitamolo, you mustn't pass this site between the tree and the house. I don't know what is it that was gonna happen. And you grow up in a home like that. Where nobody will go there. He says to Zacchaeus, I'm going to change. I'm going to engineer 
a supernatural turnaround. Look what Zacchaeus does. When Jesus comes into his house, he calls people. He says, Lord, if I've stolen anything from anybody, he throws a big party and his life is changed. I don't know who you are, but I want you to know God wants to engineer a supernatural turnaround. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Broken, hurt, discouraged, looking at your life, feeling like you are worth nothing. There's a God in heaven. 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 If you will give him a chance and allow him into your life. Jesus said, come unto me. All you who are heavily laden. He says, I'll give you rest. Won't you let God give you rest today? Rest. Yes, rest. Rest from your labor. Rest from your sorrows. Rest from a life that is falling apart. Will you receive Christ where you are? Will you follow me in the prayer? Congregation, please join with me. Pray with me, please. Wherever you are. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you just as I am. I've heard your word that you are the one who's able to change lives. I give my broken life to you that you should change me and make me a child of God. Forgive me for all my sins. Make me a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that prayer, please phone right now. There are people who are willing to counsel you to talk to you, to encourage you into this newfound path. I want to pray for you in your families. I know we're going through a difficult time now. Maybe you are one of those houses, one of those homes that people point to and say, Maybe you grew up knowing that there's a stigma attached to your home, to your family, maybe to you. I pray today for supernatural turnaround. Because when God comes into your family, He removes your shame. He turns your mourning into darkness. When God comes into your life, He makes everything new. Let me pray for you. Everybody, would you stand on your feet, please? Everybody, would you raise your hands to the Lord if you need the prayer? It might not be for you. It might be for your family. It might be for somebody you know. Father, we raise our hands to you. Even if we may not need it, but we know others who need the prayer. You are a God who's able to change. I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, will you reach out to the lives of your people where they are? Will you touch their lives right now in the name of Jesus? Thank you that you're the God who engineers a supernatural turnaround. Thank you that you're a God of suddenlies. Thank you that on this Pentecost Sunday, suddenly the power of your Spirit will invade our lives and engineer a change that only God can make. We thank you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Will you give the Lord a big hand of praise, everybody? Come on, give the Lord a big hand of praise. He's worthy.